This reading is from Acts, chapter 18, verses 18 to 28. Priscilla, Aquila and Apollos. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sencrea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time at Antioch, Paul set out from there and travelled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man, with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great favour, and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home, and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him, and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Good morning, lovely people, and it is lovely to be with you once again. Before we go any further, shall we pray? Father God, we give thanks for your word, and we pray now that you would fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit. Open us up to hear the things that you want us to hear, and help us to not to listen to the things that you don't want us to hear. In the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen. Now, a week ago, the Olympic Games came to an end. Who's looking forward to the Paralympics in a couple of weeks or so? I know I am. But in our house, the Olympic Games is a big deal. We love sport. And sure enough, we watched a lot of sport over those two weeks. And it was fab. But for me personally, it also brought back a lot of memories, and especially of the first Olympic Games that I really took any notice of, the Summer Games of 1992 in Barcelona. I watched that and I was absolutely transfixed by pretty much everything. All the different sports on display, especially the athletics, the pageantry and all that went with that, the opening ceremony, the closing ceremony, and pretty much anything in between. 
And watching that as a young kid, I decided there and then that it was one thing I needed to do with my life, and that was to be an Olympian. More than that, that was to be an Olympic gold medalist. And sure enough, I was going to do it. And so I set about deciding what sport I wanted to do. Athletics seemed the most obvious example. Um, That was the biggest sport, it seemed to me. And so I thought, yep, this is what I want to do. I had a look at all the events and decided sprinting looks the best. You only have to run 100 metres. And surely I'm pretty nippy. I could get on with that. Well, as it turned out, I couldn't. Because I wasn't born with that much natural speed. And to top it off, I looked terrible in Lycra. So athletics went out of the window as did pretty much every single sport as well and as I speak today I still harbour on to that little bit of a dream of being an Olympian but I've also put it down to two sports where people of my age and above still compete and that is equestrian and shooting. On the equestrian front there's a big problem in as much as I've never really been on an horse. And so I don't think I'll quite get there now. On the shooting front, I've not really fired too many guns either. And I'm pretty sure that short-range Nerf gun shooting isn't going to be a discipline anytime soon. So perhaps the time has finally come to accept that I am not going to be an Olympian in my life. But none of that takes away from my enjoyment of the games and my pleasure in seeing people doing well in the games as well. Because one of the things I love most about the Olympic Games is that medal ceremony. Seeing the gold, silver and bronze medals awarded and seeing people, if you will, at the peak of the accomplishment. And knowing the incredible stories that go into all of this knowing how hard people have worked, knowing how many hours they've put into training, knowing how families have supported them from years and years to get to this point. And for the gold medalist especially, knowing that in your own way you have conquered the world. But is it always that straightforward? You know, in 2012, I think after the London Games, a study was done on the medalists and who was the happiest. And in fact, their response to the medals. And people looked at the three medalists, gold, silver and bronze, and their response to receiving that particular award. And you know, it turned out the happiest people of all weren't the gold medalists or the silver medalists, but the bronze medalists. And there were a number of reasons why that could have been the case. To start with, when you get bronze, you get something. The worst place to be is fourth. In many events, you have to win a bronze medal. In a lot, you don't so much win silver, but you lose gold. So you've got that going on as well. But there's also this sense of You've got something, but you've got somewhere else to go as well. 
And in fact, it was suggested that the people who struggled the most were those who won the gold medal. And many people reported to feeling quite empty when they were on the top of the podium getting that medal. Almost like it meant nothing. It didn't feel like they thought it would. All those hours, all those years, all that family support coming down to this moment and it came in a flash and went and then it moved on to the next event. And where do you go from there? You've conquered the world, but what do you do next? And it's the same, not just in Olympic sports, but all sports. A lot of people say that when they win a significant title, even the World Cup in football, they wonder, where do we go from here? And this phenomenon isn't just based in, I guess, sport. We see it in life as well. People who fulfill their dreams get to the top of the ladder often struggle when they get there. You work so hard to get there and it's not what you think when you're there. Where do you go to next? In terms of Olympic athletes, one thing that has been suggested to help with it all is to understand the importance of the journey and understand that the journey is just as important as the result. And the enjoyment of what you do is as important as the achievement when you get there. In other words, you never fully get there. You get there in one way, but getting there was just as important. And that is true in all parts of life as well. And it's also true in our ministry and in our mission. What's all this got to do with the Bible reading, perhaps you were thinking to yourselves. Well, as we pick up in the book of Acts, Paul is at a little bit of a crossroads himself. He is coming to the end of one mission. He is with Priscilla and Aquila, and they are doing the good work in Ephesus, and then he returns to Rome. He goes back to the church. In many ways, he goes back to his own. And then, blink and you'll miss it, we see that he sets off again on another mission, on what is known as his third mission. Paul could have stopped at the end of mission one. In fact, he could have stopped at the end of mission two as well. But he carried on going on mission. Paul was the ultimate in understanding that you never fully get to the destination, but the process is ongoing. And that is something that we can really learn from as well. That is something that we can learn from in our churches, in our attitude to mission, and in our attitude to proclaiming the gospel. It never ends. Let's think for a moment about some of the classic ways in which we have done mission in a church. We decide maybe to have a mission week. We put in all the effort that we can into having a week. We do all the preparation work into doing it. We have the week itself, great things happen, and then we go home. We're pretty tired by it all, but we think, well done, that mission is over. 
that the mission never stops. Mission never stops. Mission is an ongoing thing. And what we do as a church is an ongoing thing. Yes, there are times and there are seasons, but those times and seasons move around. And all of us are part of it. All of us have a calling. All of us are called to serve the Lord. All of us are called to serve and the Lord calls us to serve in his name. How many times have perhaps we thought to ourselves, I'm going to do this for a bit and then stop. I'm going to do this ministry for a bit and then stop. I'm going to help with the tea and coffee rotor for a bit or children and youth work for a bit and then stop. My job of serving is done. I have achieved what I need to achieve. But the reality is, it never stops. Yes, we may stop doing tea and coffee, or we may stop doing children and youth work, but what is the Lord calling to us next? Is the Lord calling us to, I don't know, help in the worship group, or prayer ministry, or pastoral ministry, or whatever else? We are called to continually be on the mission field. We are called continually to minister in the name of the Lord. And that's not to say we don't need to take time to rest. When Paul went to Jerusalem, we don't know how long he took there. It could have been a few days. It might even have been a few years. He certainly took time to step back and rest and refocus on where he was going. But he knew he was going. He knew he was doing something else. We are called to be like Paul. We are called to serve like he served. We are called to be missioners as he was a missioner. And each and every one of us, wherever we are in this walk of faith, whatever our age, whatever things we are feeling, are called by the Lord to be part of the building of his kingdom. That is a mind-blowing thing. That is an incredible thing. And in doing that, we need to remember that the process of going through it all, the process of serving the Lord, the process of doing the things that he asks of us is just important as the end. Because in so many ways, the end doesn't come. Eventually, the end does come. And that is when we see the Lord face to face. When we meet him in heaven, he calls us home, or when he returns. And when that happens, we get the greatest honour of all. Better than a gold medal, better than a World Cup trophy, the crown of everlasting life. To live with Jesus forever in that place of absolute love, in that place of absolute peace, in that place of absolute joy. But before we get there, we've got a purpose. Before we get there, we've got a calling. And if you are struggling today with your calling, or you're thinking it was all right to do it in the past, but it's not now, or even perhaps I'm getting a bit old now and I'm not sure what I should be doing, I'm just going to say this again. As long as there is breath in your body, the Lord has a purpose for your life. 
The Lord calls you. The Lord anoints you. The Lord fills you with his Holy Spirit. He calls you to serve. He calls you to build his kingdom. He calls you to be a missioner in his name. It's the same calling that was placed upon Paul. The same calling that was placed upon Priscilla and Aquila. The same calling that was placed upon Apollos. The same calling that is placed on so many people. The seasons may change, but the mission continues. We may be on our first mission, whatever that is to us. Our second, our third, our fourth, our millionth. But it keeps going on. And I know that sometimes it's hard. I know that we get tired. I know that we get battle weary from time to time. And I know there are seasons when we need to rest, as Paul did. But let's remember we are continually called. And when we feel beaten up and needed to rest, may the Lord renew us. May he bless us with the gift of his spirit and continually build us up to send us out in his name. Our achievement, our gold medal moment isn't an empty one. It is the fulfilment of doing what we do with the Lord. Let us continue to do it in his name. And I'm just going to pray for us now. And I'm going to pray that we would realise our role in the mission of the Lord. That we would realise the call that the Lord puts on our lives. And the Lord will reveal to us the various ways in which we can serve the church and the mission of the church. And as we go forward, just the image in our heads of all of God's people working together in the different contexts which we're in to see his kingdom being built. Father God, we give thanks for Paul and we give thanks for him that the mission never stopped, that it never came to an end and he never felt deflated at the end of a mission so much as to stop going for the next one. And I pray that we would be the same as well. I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit you would build us up that you would reveal to us your purposes that you would reveal to us what you want us to do that you would reveal to us where we are to serve your church i pray that we your church would realize the importance of being continual missioners in the name of jesus that we would all see our role in the mission of the church seeing more people come to faith more people come to realize their calling and giftings as well seeing your kingdom built up in the places where you call us to go lord i pray that you would speak to us now that you would motivate us now that you would fill us with your holy spirit fill us with your spirit we pray and ready us we ask to send us out in the name of jesus Lord, as you sent Paul into the continuing mission, send us, we pray. For in the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen.